Please stand for the words of Jesus. The Gospel according to Luke chapter 13. Glory be to you, O Lord. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. And then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is the gospel of the Lord. Loved ones, just because something is simple doesn't mean that it's easy. Have you ever had um, magnetic resonance imaging, an MRI? If you have, you know that the instructions that you receive before having your MRI are pretty simple. Lay still. Don't do anything for about 20 minutes. I can do that. A lot of us have been doing that all weekend while we're watching basketball, right? No problem. I can lay still and do nothing. But then you're given the gown and the platform you lay on is not nearly as comfortable as your couch. And you hear the sound of the machine as you're put into a tube and the ceiling is right there by your face. And suddenly every fiber in your being is telling you you might be trapped. And it's a lot of work just to lay still, to not get out of there. It's not so simple after all. Just because something is simple doesn't mean that it's easy. We're about halfway through Lent, that, that time of year leading up to our intense observation of Jesus' suffering and death and resurrection we call Holy Week. And my friend, the, the priest, who talks about Lent too, says that he likes to keep things simple during Lent. He likes to focus on things that are, that are simple but, but hard to do. And he says we, we always talk about the same things every year, praying and fasting and giving. And I suppose he's got a point. But it's not the point that Jesus makes today that we focus on during Lent, which is even simpler but even harder. It's one word. Repent. Repentance is what Jesus wants from us today. 
It's a simple word to understand. The word repent just means to change your mind. It's this idea that the Christian life is about constantly changing your mind about sin. About recognizing that we constantly fall in love with our sin, that we constantly get used to sin and think it's no big deal, and we have to constantly change our mind and say, yes, it is a big deal. Sin leads to eternal death. And instead of loving it, I need to learn to hate sin. And it means constantly changing your mind about God. The sinful minds and hearts that we have naturally reject God, naturally ignore God, naturally doubt God. And it's in repentance that the Holy Spirit works this miracle called faith where we don't do what every fiber of our being naturally wants to do, but instead we trust God. We trust God for forgiveness. We trust God for help. And so what the Lord is telling us today is don't ever put that off. Don't ever think that there's another time that I ought to repent Every day is a day of repentance for a Christian. If there's one thing that Jesus wants you to remember today, it's to take repentance seriously. Take repentance seriously. It means accepting hard truth about yourself. And it means believing wonderful truth about God. We're getting towards the end of Jesus' three-year ministry at this point in the Gospel of Luke. And people are coming to Jesus with some pretty hard questions. What good thing must I do to be saved, someone asked him. Is there such a thing as an unforgivable sin? Is every divorce a sin? How much does God expect me to forgive someone who keeps hurting me? And as he traveled and taught and answered these hard questions, someone came up to him with what they thought would be an easy one for Jesus, just a softball that he could knock out of the park. And they brought up something that had happened in the news. Jesus, you heard about that church killing, right? Where, where it was the offering. They must have done something wrong that they deserved that, Right? It was awful. And it was awful. With that much, Jesus agreed. It was a terrible thing that happened. But, with, but Jesus would not agree with was the prejudice with which they brought that question there. Whatever happened, the people who came to Jesus with that question assumed that, that those who had been killed in this church killing were worse than them that they had done something wrong, that they had done something to, to deserve it a little bit. We know two things that are a difference between Galileans in the Bible and, and people in southern Judah. One is that they, they lived in a different place. They lived up north. And two, they, they talked a little bit different. They talked funny. Because of that, many people thought that they were better than Galileans and they were just looking to Jesus to verify it but he didn't. Instead, he pointed out, you know, you can't assume that things that happen that 
are bad are the result of people being bad. Or that if bad things happen to people, that somehow you're better than them. He talked about something else in the news. He said there was a, a construction project going on and this big tower they were building collapsed and 18 people were killed in the accident. And he says, do you think they were worse sinners than anyone else because they died in this way? And before anyone else could answer, Jesus said, no, of course not. If you think that disasters are God's punishment on people for being bad, you are missing the point. The lesson that God wants us to learn when disasters happen in this life is this, that you never know when your time is going to be up. And that means now is the time for you to take repentance seriously. It is the easiest thing in the world to assume that when someone else suffers, that they are somewhat to blame for their problems. Someone has a, a heart attack, and the back of our hand goes up against our cheek and says, you know, they weren't the most healthy person. Someone has some some family squabbles and the rumors start going around and say, you know, she was always real nice whenever others are around, but I heard behind closed doors, she can be a handful. And we love to do that because that is the natural, easy religion of all human beings to say about other people, they're worse and therefore I'm good. Why do we do that? Because it's easier and it feels better and it feels natural to say that other people are bad rather than to accept the truth about ourselves. This natural religion of man has many names. What comes around goes around. Salvation by works. Meritocracy. Karma. You get what you deserve. It's the idea that if something bad happens to you that you must have had something to do with it. A hurricane hits Louisiana and someone says, well, one too many Mardi Gras down there. Stock market crashes, eh, God is done with greed. People, don't, people win elections that we don't like, well, our country deserves what we get. It's because we used to be a Christian nation and now we're not. It's the natural religion of this world, the idea that bad things happen to bad people and good things happen to good people. But that's not what Jesus teaches. What Jesus teaches us is that unless you too repent, you too will perish. Disasters that happen in the news or in people's personal lives are going to happen to both good and bad alike. They're not an indication that something is wrong with them. It's an indication that something is wrong with all of us. It's, wrong. it's a sign that something is wrong with everyone, even you. Anyone can get sick. Anyone can have family drama and dysfunction. Anyone can die. At any time. It's because everyone is sinful and needs to repent. And that is Jesus' simple point. When you see disasters happen in this world and in people's personal lives, Repent. 
Accept the truth about yourself that is true about everyone else. I'm sinful, Lord. I don't deserve a good life. Even if you give it to me, I don't deserve it. And I am sorry for my sin. It's hard to accept this truth about yourself because it's scary to think what could happen next. If I accept the truth that I'm as bad as anybody else in this world, well, I might feel bad about myself. And if I'm totally honest and I listen to what God's Word has to say, then I don't deserve any better than, than Korah, who had the earth swallow him up with his family as he went down to the realm of the dead, to hell, as God called it. scary to think about because the Bible tells us the very opposite of what people think when they ask the question, how could a good God send anyone to hell? Jesus answers, the question, answers that question with another question and he says, how could a just God take anyone to heaven? Including me. Scary thought. And to comfort us, to alleviate that, Jesus tells us a parable. It's one of his shorter ones where he talks about a, a man who owned this vineyard. And he, as many Jewish people did who owned vineyards, planted a fig tree in the middle of it for shade, for a little variety in what they were going to sell. As long as the earth was good, they might as well get some figs too. But the fig tree wasn't bearing any fruit. So he talked to, to one of his, to his hired hand and said, I'm tired of this tree not bearing any fruit. Just cut it down. Why waste the soil? Let's just plant some grapes there. And the guy said, just give it another year. Give me some time. I'll, I'll dig around it. I'll, I'll put some manure down. And we'll see what happens. If, if it bears fruit next year, great. If not, then fine. Then we'll cut it down. And that was the end of the parable. And we have to be careful with Jesus' parables not to try to draw a, a comparison between every detail in it. The point of Jesus' parable here is simply to tell us two things about God. That God is patient, but he is not a fool. That we should not mistake the fact that, that God doesn't strike us down immediately for our sins as God being some kind of pushover. That he doesn't care about sin. He does very much. He shows us that throughout the Bible as people are punished immediately for sins and his promises to come back on Judgment Day. But in the meantime, we also need to know that God is patient. Why doesn't a just God send everyone to hell? Because he is patient. Because he has the long view in mind. And he doesn't want to punish immediate, us immediately for our sins because he wants us to be with him. And the way we go to be with him in heaven is through repentance. Here's how he says it. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Think of the Old Testament account of how the flood came into the world. Did God just get sick of the world's sin one day and decide to destroy everyone but Noah? No. He said, I'll give you 120 years to change your mind, to repent. But it didn't happen, and he made good on his threat and his promise. 
But think of other more important promises God made. Thousands of years promising that through the Jewish people I'm going to send a Savior who's going to take away the world's sin. And even though those people fell away from him time and time again and worshipped idols, God gave them warnings by taking them into captivity and sending them back, there they remained at just the right time in the land that he promised as Jesus was born, as Jesus grew up, as Jesus died and rose. God's patience paid off as Jesus died as punishment for your sin so that you never have to worry when disasters happen in your life that God is somehow punishing you for your sin. In his patience and mercy, he has already punished Jesus. It calls for a couple of things on our part. First of all, be patient with God. Just because things aren't going exactly how you want in your life because you have this disaster or that disaster or you look at the world around you and wonder why doesn't God come about immediately, remember God has a much longer range plan in mind than you. Salvation of the world. And it takes time for the gospel to get out into the world. It takes time for people to come into the world that God has decided He is going to save, that He has chosen in eternity to be His, and for them to come to faith. Be patient with God because His plan is for people to come to repentance. And be patient with each other. Remember that God has a long-range plan for everyone in this world, including you. And those that may sin against you and hurt you, God may have you in their life to show them what his patience is like. As you patiently forgive, as you patiently give them a reason for your patience and say, I have a God who loves me and forgives me. I can forgive you too. Let me tell you about him. God's great goal in this life is not just that he punish everything immediately, but that we be saved. Count on his patience. Rely on his patience. Remember, he is not a fool and does not let sin go by. He has to punish it because he is just. But he has for Jesus. Trust in him. Trust in him for the long view. And as long as you're in this world, live every day where you take repentance seriously. This is God's word.